Suicide is a tough topic, but the Washington County Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition wants you to know that there is always hope. We are a caring community reaching out to provide compassion and hope for a community free of suicide. In the next half hour, we'll talk with community partners to identify risk factors, raise awareness, and discuss prevention strategies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Reach for Hope. I'm Melissa Anderson, where there's always hope. Now, my guest today is a woman who agreed to share her story, how she has managed to get through the harsh reality of suicide. With me is Megan Young of St. George, a business owner and a member of our community. Welcome, Megan. Thanks for being on the show today and agreeing to share your story. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Melissa. Yeah. Now, first of all, I'd like to say I'm sorry for the loss of your husband. His name was Jeremy. Is that correct? Yes, thank you. And I'd realize that this is a hard thing to talk about, so I'm not going to push you or anything, but I would like you to share as much as you'd like um, and give us a little bit of insight on what, you know, happened and how we might prevent that from happening to someone else. So I just appreciate you being here and wholeheartedly thank you for any insight you can share with us. Sure. Um, So... My husband, Jeremy, and I were married almost 10 years. Um, He actually died three days before our 10-year anniversary. Um, We started a business together, um, Forever Young Fine Jewelers, on Main Street um, just about two years before he he died. Um, He had worked at MacArthur Jewelers before, and we, when they decided to retire, we started our own. But um, Jeremy had a lot of physical and mental health issues. He was diagnosed with narcolepsy, sleep apnea, um, depression, bipolar, and OCD. Um, He also had back surgery. He had tonsillitis. He had autoimmune. Just so many, many things going wrong um, physically and mentally in his body. And a lot of people didn't know it. Yeah, so he kept it hidden. So he kind of hid it, but he had a lot of, of medical issues. Yes, a lot of medical issues. And, and so before the, before anything happened, how did he deal with that? Did he did he go to the doctor a lot? Did he did he treat? Was he treated for these issues? Sure. Yeah. So um, we had different medications. He would have to take a really strong narcotic at night, and then a stimulant in the morning every day to be able to stay awake. Um, so he had a lot of different medications in his body, um, pain medications for his back and, um, we're meeting with doctors. Sometimes they couldn't, you know, the most frustrating thing for doctors and for patients is when, Hey, everything looks right. We know you don't feel good, but some things are, we don't know what it is. Um, that would happen and that would be frustrating. Yeah. Now, narcolepsy, for those who out there who don't know about it, that's that's a form of where you just kind of fall asleep, right? Something wrong in the brain. Is that correct? Yeah. So narcolepsy, they're not getting their adequate sleep. They're not getting into that deep sleep cycle at night. And so his sleep doctor, actually, when he explains narcolepsy, he says, imagine staying awake for three days. And that's how a narcoleptic person feels all the time. You would think they'd be able to just fall asleep, but um, actually at night, sometimes it'd be very difficult to fall asleep. So we'd have to take a medication to get them down. Yeah. So you took over this business. Um, why did you decide to take over the business? I mean, that MacArthur had been there for quite a few years. You just decided to take the the, the leap of faith, correct? <laughs> yeah. So, well, they were retiring. So initially we were going to be out of a job and mm-hmm. we needed to find something that Jeremy did. And 
I knew that he had a passion for jewelry and I knew that it was something he was passionate about. Um, I also knew with his health problems, if he didn't have something that he loved and was passionate about, it'd be very difficult for him to get out of bed. So for him to do something that he loved, we were excited about it and everything just fell into place. It felt very right. Right. Um, I want to talk more about that in a minute, but I want to talk about your family. Um, So you've been married 10 years. How many kids did you have? Three kids, two boys and one girl. Uh Uh-huh. And so at, at the time, um, tell us a little bit about your family and, 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 you know, how, how was everything at home? Um, so let's see, my oldest was, um, eight and then the youngest was six or middle was six and my youngest was two at the time that Jeremy died. So all very young. Um, it was actually a really hard time in our life. Um, we just had a new business that was just a year or two years old and I had these young kids and, um, you know, I remember my kids always asking, mom, are you going to be able to pick me up from school today? And I would have to say, I don't know. It depends on how daddy's feeling. So it was like never, I couldn't even plan an event. We just never knew how Jeremy would be feeling. Do you think it was the stress of the business? How was the business doing? Um, the business was struggling, um, probably from the outside. A lot of people thought it was doing great. Um, but, and it, and it was, um, we had a lot of business as far as just a lot of expenses and, um, we were struggling financially. It was a very difficult time. However, we did have a picture in here, uh, that you sent me with, from the St. George area chamber of commerce of you guys standing there with an award. What was that all about? Yeah. So we got the emergence of an entrepreneur award from the chamber of commerce. Um, just not too long before he passed away. Um, so that was a great honor and a huge highlight for us. Did that make a difference for him? A difference for in his feeling and his, you know what, to, to, I'll be honest. Um, he was excited about it, but he didn't feel that he deserved it. He, oh. I remember going to the banquet dinner and it was so different because Jeremy was such an outgoing people person, just loved to network, loved to talk to people. But at this time when we sat at this table, he was just quiet and we had some great people there we could have networked with and talked to. And, um, even then a few months before, you know, it just, he, he was already suffering. So he had some depression going on. I want to talk a little bit about that. So um, what, what, what do you think was going through his mind mentally and, and uh, when he was struggling, how did you, did he want to reach out for help or did you try to help him reach out for help or? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I tried a lot and we did have him going to therapy and we did have a meeting with doctors. um, But I do remember thinking in my mind a lot, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Um, he, I think looking back now, he felt a lot of shame, um, for feeling the depression because that's kind of a stigma people put. And that's what I love about this is to say depression and mental illness is an illness. It's an illness just like cancer or diabetes. And we don't give shame when people have those illnesses, but for some reason there's seems to be a stigma or shame with mental illness. Yeah. Like there's something wrong with them. Yeah. But there is something wrong. There is, but it's not their fault. Right. And so they take on that guilt and that, and that shame comes along. So, uh, where, were there any indications that he might be going to take his life? 
You know, looking back on this, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Right. Um, that's probably the biggest question that everybody asks when somebody mm-hmm. takes their life, and what could I have done differently? Mm-hmm. And something I um, actually met with a therapist quite a bit. Like, you know, you always play the blame game. But in wanting to help other people to know, because I feel like I didn't have the education. I was not educated on mental illness. Um, there were signs he would say, um, not directly, but he would say, if this doesn't get better, I'm done. And I just figured he was done with the business or if you, I didn't knowing Jeremy and you could talk to anybody, you wouldn't think that he would take his life. So, and I think the other thing is we are so scared to ask people, are you thinking of taking your life? Because we think that if we ask them, we're putting that idea into their head. I have since learned from some different training that um, it is actually the one of the best things you can do is to ask them directly. They're just waiting for somebody to open that door because they're scared to have that thought in your mind. I can't even imagine having the thought of, oh, I'm wanting to take my life. That's a scary, scary thought. Did, did you ever ask him that? No, I never did ask yeah. him. So that's the lesson we need to learn today Absolutely. Um, is to ask that question. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that more in a minute. Now, at the time, um, there was no access center here like we have now because it was, what, three years ago? Correct. And so there was no place for him to, like, walk in and to try to get help or even if he would have, he probably right. wouldn't have because of the shame. He, I don't think, but he there would was have. no place to even refer him to at that point. But there is now. So, um, tell us about what you did to try to help him in that moment. And did you reach out to therapists and things like that? Yeah, I was actually reaching out with the doctors um, because, again, he had a sleep doctor, he had his general doctor, he had a psychiatrist, and then he had a psychologist. So I was like, we need the four of you to work together. Um, it's a very difficult thing to do, I'm trying to be proactive as much as I can while also taking care of him and raising three kids and trying to keep a business afloat. Um, it was a very stressful time. And to be able to get into the doctor was a struggle in itself. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be able to meet with the therapist. Like, I'm the one at home with him. I need to know how do I talk to him? How do I communicate? What are the tools? I need to be educated on when to show justice. When do I show mercy? But even to get in with that, I had to meet with a general doctor and he met with me. He then referred me to the psychologist. But um, actually, by the time that I was able to get appointment, that was the week that he took his life. So how often had he gone in there prior to that? Um, He had gone. He went. I think he was going every at least every month. It may have been every two weeks, but sometimes he wouldn't go to his appointments. So I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to just miss the store, which again was hard because we had to keep a business going in order to bring money in for our family to pay for these medical. I mean, it's just all a domino effect. Um, But the Wednesday before I had actually was able to go into his appointment with him and found out that he was not being completely honest with the therapist. I don't think she realized just how bad it was. He would show up in a suit and tie and look like everything in life was great. And then she saw the reality of, oh, he's actually in bed five days of the week and Megan's doing all of this. Um, 
so then we were going to start meeting weekly. Um, and I thought that was great. That was good. But, um, I don't know if that spiraled him more. The therapist, I don't think had any inclination that he was suicidal either, you know, meeting with him just days before. So he was good at hiding it. Absolutely. Because he didn't want people to know. Right. But you knew. Well, I knew how much he was struggling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. But you didn't have a clue that he was going to go that direction. I didn't think he would go that direction. No, I I would never think that Jeremy would take his life. Right. So what was his relationship with your children? What were they thinking? Um, they were so young. Um, I mean, they knew daddy was sick. They knew he was in bed mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, when we did finally tell them how daddy had died, um, my oldest was um said you know i miss daddy but i'm glad he's not in pain anymore right so well it looked like you guys had some great times together it was a you know he went trick-or-treating and did some things (laughs) yes you know on halloween um yes so i'm i'm sure that this was a big struggle um tell me a little bit about then how uh you were leading up to the days before what what happened then um so just the days before, so um, he, we had gone to that therapy appointment on Wednesday, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Jeremy, like he, he went to work. Actually, her advice, I remember, was just get out of bed if you need to go fishing or just do something, like just, just get out of bed. But Jeremy was kind of an all or nothing. He was like, well, I'm not going to feel good about going fishing if my wife's at work. So it was either like he was a hundred percent at the store doing his thing or he was going to be in bed. It was hard for him to just get up. So, um, he got up and worked really well. And then Sunday came around and he, he had a crash and that was very normal. Just what would normally happen on the weekends. You know, he'd be exhausted from the week and sleep all day on Sunday. And a lot of times it would carry on to Monday. And so, that Monday morning was just like any other kind of Monday morning. It did not feel any different to me. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm grateful for that because I think it may have, if I would have seen signs, I would maybe hold that guilt, but didn't seem any different than any other Monday. Um, and he just wasn't able to get into work that day. So I went into the store and then when I came home that Monday night, that's when I found him. Oh, wow. Were your children with you? Uh, they were, but they were, luckily they did not see him. So yeah. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry. I mean, I hate to make you relive this, but um, it's for a good purpose. And I'm sure that you have s- sought after help since then yes. immensely. And that's a good thing to do, right? Oh, I'm a huge advocate for therapy for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all can use therapy, right? We Life is hard. And um, yeah, I, 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 I want to get rid of that stigma too. You right. know, I think everybody can use a good therapist. So your, ther- so your children had therapy? Yeah. So that week, um, that night when I told my kids that daddy had died, I just told him, you know, daddy was really, really sick, but I didn't tell them suicide. I didn't know how to explain it to him. So luckily, um, but I didn't want them to hear that from somebody else. I wanted it to come from me before the funeral that weekend. Luckily I was able to get in with a really great child psychologist, um, with my oldest Hadley, she used kinetic sand and created a brain 
and um, talked about how doctors are still figuring out brains and that daddy's brain was sick and that he um, used a gun to take his life. And then that older son actually helped explain it to the next, to my six-year-old. Um, and the two-year-old, she was so young, she just yeah knew that daddy was. It's tough. So uh, what what kind of messages then can we share or lessons can we learn um, about supporting family and friends and, and things during this time? I mean, obviously it would be great to have a support group or something that would be out there to help us get through this, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm kind of, I've tried to think, I remember at the time just trying to find who can I talk to? I didn't know who to talk to. I couldn't talk, I didn't feel like I could talk to family members because I felt like they might hold shame or judgment, I guess, to Jeremy, which I get could be is wrong as well. But that's just the way I was at the time. Um, I didn't feel like I knew of any groups. And I remember trying to search on Facebook and different support groups to find, um, I think, the QPR training. I don't know if we want to get yeah, into that yeah, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, is some a training I learned about later. Mm-hmm. It's question, persuade, refer. And it's a training for suicide prevention to help people that may become suicidal, what you can do to help them get help and to see the signs. Yeah. yeah. And you took that training. I did. I took the training after Jeremy passed away and I've since um, hosted some training so that other people in the community can get the training. I plan to do more. I couldn't do any of this last year with COVID because right. of the groups, but hopefully we'll do more. I'm a huge advocate for more people getting training. And I was thinking what a great idea it would be if, you know, family members, at the doctor's office, you know, if, if you've got somebody that's diagnosed with depression, if there is a way of just saying, here's some, some training, you yeah. know, I wish I would have, I wish I would have gotten a little bit more help or resources or education as a family member that was home with him day in and day out. Um, that I didn't feel like was there. Maybe, maybe that's something we need to work on in our communities. Yeah. That's something yeah. I would it's a personal goal of mine, actually. Good, I good. would like to, to do something to help with that effect. So anybody listening out there that you know <laughs> can help out with that, that would be great. Um, real quickly, I want to go into your these cards that you made that we're going to oh, look sure. at. Tell me about what these were and why they were created. Okay, so it was Jeremy's one-year anniversary of the, the death date, and I was trying to think, what do I want to do? Um, on this day and Jeremy's voicemail he had this southern accent he was from Georgia he loved the word phenomenal and he voicemail would say thank you so much and have a phenomenal day um, and so the my the idea just, and he loved the color yellow his favorite color is yellow so I just got the idea of creating these custom cards that say you are phenomenal I just wanted to spread love so I made them up and told anybody that wanted them they can have them for free I have them at the jewelry store and I also have them in front of my house. Um, they're still at the jewelry store now and they're still in the front porch of my house too. Um, just because we can all use, we can all use love. And I know a lot of people reached out to Jeremy when he was struggling and he wouldn't always respond back. Mm-hmm. It's hard as a friend when you're, you know, trying to reach out and they don't respond back, but I do know those made a positive difference to Jeremy. So if you've got a friend, um, even if you're like, oh, they're not responding back, they're not returning my calls, or 
more than likely they're still really appreciating the fact that you're thinking of them and right. s- and sending them some love. Even a quick text or something. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And tell them, hope you have a phenomenal day, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Or, or just be empathetic too. Yes. You know, I think what I've learned over the past few years, the best thing we can do with somebody when they're in their pain is to sit with them. Mm-hmm in their pain and let them feel that pain and tell them they have every reason to feel the pain they're feeling because it's real. Uh And sometimes we try to talk them out of it and that doesn't help. No, they just need to experience that pain. Right. Exactly. Everybody feels it differently. So we're not inside their heads or bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And that (laughs) was what was a really a thing for me. I was like, I have no idea how Jeremy is feeling. Right. And I knew I didn't know. Right. And it was really hard. Probably the hardest thing to just see him suffering and not know how to help. Right. Um, Yeah. That's one thing I wanted to talk about was the stigma. and, And we just need to, you know, pay attention to that and know that we can we can all play a better role and a better part in that in our communities and, and amongst our friends and families. You have some pictures um, at, from the Jubilee of Trees. Was that a oh. tree that you made or was it someone else that made it? Or Sure. So, um, yeah, also that same Christmas that year of 2018 when Jeremy um, passed away, we had the Jubilee of Trees. And this was, again, kind of a way for me to hopefully bring more awareness. You know, this picture of this perfect looking family that is not so perfect. Um, And my aunt Rhonda actually designed and created the tree. I do not have talent in that way, but she did an amazing job. And um, we had a poster in the front that talked about suicide prevention and wanted to make it a public thing. And the community actually really responded to it. The tree, I wasn't putting it out there um, to win awards, but actually won three awards that year. So the people's choice, all the people that come to Jubilee of Trees vote on a tree and it won that one. And then the board of directors all vote on a tree and they voted for that one. And then the tree designers themselves vote for a tree. So I think it really impacted people. And I actually had a gentleman come into the jewelry store later. He said, I saw your tree. I had a friend that was struggling and I remembered your tree and I took him to get help. And, um, that was just, you know, just one person. You saved a lot. (laughs) I don't know about that, but, um, but at least we got some more education out there. Yeah. And I think that's what this is all about is education and also communication. We need to, we need to, you know, that's the biggest part of any situation is to communicate and talk just like we're talking now. Yeah. We um, were not, we definitely could have communicated and, a lot And it's more. hard because that's what, that's what relationships are all about. And sometimes you just don't have time for it. You got to do something else, you know, but we need to take that time. I think what you said earlier is be still and listen and think and, you know, communicate, but, but listen, I think if we listen and be, have that empathy mm-hmm. and understand, um, and ask them, what can I do to help? What can anybody do to help? You know, so that they know that you're there. And, and the training that we talked about earlier, the QPR training, I just think that's really important too. And I'm really thankful that you took that training. I've taken that training and it's really hard to ask someone that, uh, especially if it's a stranger, if you see someone and you're like, you know, they're sitting on the bench and you're like, Oh, you know, um, do I just ask the stranger? Are you thinking about Taking, taking your life. And, you know, I saw a guy the other day and I asked him if he was okay. 
and he had his head down and and I and I thought you know are you okay and I and I did I asked him and he said yeah I'm not feeling well today he said but I've got somebody that's going to come by and pick me up and I said okay well let me know I'm here for you if there's anything I can do and he said thank you so I knew he was still he was okay maybe he was just physically hurting but I know he didn't feel well and you just never know you yeah. never know I've I've heard a lot of stories of that where they just having somebody notice them mm-hmm. can save, can stop them from, from taking their life. What are, um, I'd like to just briefly have you say, we don't have much time left, but how are you and your children doing now? We have a picture of you together. <laughs> um, you, how's it been being a single mom? Um, it definitely has its struggles. I, I do feel very grateful and blessed. Um, I've had a lot of support. But I want to be honest and say we still have our really rough nights. I still have nights this last week where we were just bawling and my kids are missing their dad. Yeah. Nothing nothing replaces that relationship. There's nothing more important than relationships. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you're being a burden to your family or anything like that, you're not because you're there and they want you. And That's my, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd just like to say thank you for joining us and appreciate you uh, for reaching out uh, to us and sharing your story. So thank you so much. Thank and hang you. in there. Thank you yeah. so much. And uh, same with all you out there. Just uh, take care and have a great day. The Reach for Hope Coalition wants you to know that we care about you and we are here to help. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out. You're not alone. To access resources for yourself or others, visit our webpage at reachforhopeutah.org. That's reach, the number four, hopeutah.org. If you are experiencing a crisis, please call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK because you matter and there is always hope. This has been a production from a podcast studio.